Well, there's nothing like getting a great night's sleep, and I get that with my Sleep Number bed. And my friends at Sleep Number have introduced the most amazing bed ever. It's the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, designed to keep each of you extremely comfortable for your best possible sleep. And like all their beds, Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds let you choose your ideal firmness and support on each side of the bed. Now with new responsive air technology, the bed senses your every move. My sleep number setting is 90. My sleep IQ score last night was 82. And it's time you meet the bed that could only come from sleep number, the 360 smart bed, and that's the only place you'll find it. Now's a great time to come in during their lowest prices of the season where you can save $500 to $700 on their most popular 2016 beds. Visit any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Call 1-800-390-9100 or visit sleepnumber.com to find a Sleep Number store near you. And be sure to tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Ben Mesrich is back with us. Ben, of course, has written several books, including the one we're going to talk about tonight. He has created his own highly addictive genre of nonfiction, chronicling, of course, amazing stories of young geniuses on the edge of impossibility. And with a writing career spanning 20 plus years, he has authored several books, including the wildly successful Bringing Down the House, the inside story of six MIT students who took Vegas for millions, I believe, Kevin Spacey was uh, in that movie. Uh, It was called, I think it was 21. We'll check in with Ben on that. He wrote The Accidental Billionaires, the founding of Facebook. And here he is with Wooly, the true story, the quest to revive one of history's most iconic extinct creatures. Ben, good to have you back. No, thanks so much for having me again. Now, wasn't Bringing Down the House, wasn't that turned into a movie? Yeah, that was 21. You're right, with Kevin Spacey and Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Yeah, it came out a number of years back, but... Yeah, 21 was the big, big it was movie. A great movie, too. I had fun watching that. <laughs> Spacey's a great actor. He's very good. He's, he's an interesting character. And most of your books are nonfiction, but you do it in kind of a novella form, don't you? Yeah, so they're nonfiction. They're all true, but I write them in a thriller style, um, which kind of lends itself to movies. But basically, I want to make um, them as exciting as possible. <laughs> you know, that's the way to go. But I, I try to write them as thrillers. Well, that's great. Now, Wooly, as I was saying at the outset, I've been fascinated with this creature since I was a kid. And when they found one, you know, encased in ice mm-hmm. with food in its mouth, flash frozen, something happened to it. What do you think happened? Well, what's incredible about the woolly mammoth is that, you know, they went extinct only around 3,000 years ago, the last woolly mammoth. Would they be called dinosaurs? They're not dinosaurs. They're, they were way past the dinosaurs. They lived at the same time as people. And, in fact, people were the main reason they went extinct. We actually ate them. Um, and they were a big food source for cavemen and then you know, early man. But there were woolly mammoths around when the pyramids were being built. And that's kind of a wild fact when you think about it. Um, a small group of woolly mammoths, had actually crossed an ice bridge to an island called Wrangell Island, which is in the Arctic Circle. And so when most woolly mammoths went extinct 12,000 years ago, a group of them lived until 3,000 years ago. Um, And that group was sort of the last of the woolly mammoths. But now, you know, these bodies are coming up out of the ice, and some of them, as you say, are incredibly well-preserved, even have blood in their system that's still liquid. They're still... You know, uh, they're not, you know, uh, uh, able to use that. They can't clone them because they're still 3,000 years old, but they can get the DNA sequences, and that's kind of where our story begins. Are they elephants with just lots of hair? 
Well, they're very re- closely related. Um, Asian elephants are their closest relative and are 99.9% similar, but they're much bigger. Um, some, you know, mammoths were, you know, as much as another third to, to twice as large as an elephant, 15 to 20 feet high, and they were covered usually in red fur, but different types of fur, and they have huge tusks and slightly different ears and tails. Um, but they are similar to elephants. They're, they're closely related to elephants. And, and Ben, you say that mankind was responsible for its extinction, but was there also, obviously, with that uh, mammoth that was in the ice, there must have been some earth-shattering climate change that happened very, very fast. Well, you know, the ice age was ending, so climate change was a big part of what happened to the woolly mammoth, and they lived mostly sort of in what is now the tundra across the sort of top part of the world, across Canada. But there were them in, in, in America as well. Um, and uh, and the, the, the earth was getting warmer. The sort of ice age was receding. But it wasn't really what led to their death because the mammoth was adapting to this changing. They were able to live in the colder areas of the world, even though the ice age was ending. And it really wasn't until so bands of human, you know, learned how to hunt together and really went after them that they, they went extinct. What drew you to this story of the woolly? Well, you know, just like you, I mean, I've always been into the woolly mammoth. I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, this couldn't possibly exist. It just looked so incredible to me. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I started hearing about this project, this lab at Harvard, where they were making a woolly mammoth. Um, and that seemed very Jurassic Park to me. And of course, I loved the movie Jurassic Park, and I always wanted to be Michael Crichton um, as a writer. And, um, and I was just drawn to it. So I essentially just wrote a random email to the scientist behind the project. And I said, can I come over and start you know, watching? And he had read some of my books and seen some of my movies and invited me in. And I just sort of uh, moved into his lab, and I kind of embedded myself in in this crazy lab. It's like Willy Wonka's factory, where they're using genetic engineering to do really wild things. Um, and the woolly mammoth was, was the project that I focused on, and, and that's where it came from. And Dr. George Church, tell us a little bit about him. So Dr. George Church is essentially the Einstein of our times. He's the leading guy in this big change that's going on, this revolution in genetics. We used to just be able to read DNA and to look into what makes us us. But now we're getting to the point where we actually can write DNA and sort of create life in a way. And Dr. Church is this amazing character. He's six foot five. He has this huge white beard, this huge white hair, and, and he, he looks kind of like how you might imagine God would look or Santa Claus. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he's, uh, he's narcoleptic. You know, he's, he's dyslexic. He grew up raised in the swamps of Tampa by a single mother. He comes from this kind of intense background, and yet he's so incredibly smart, and he's been on this cutting edge of genetics for years now. He was part of the origination of the Human Genome Project, um, and then he's gone on from there, and, and he's developed faster and faster ways to do genetic engineering. And this is just one of his many projects. Is it easier to do it because, you know, we are, we are finding these animals encased in ice and as, as opposed to just bones and things like that? Well, absolutely. So Jurassic Park isn't real because you really can't make a dinosaur. There is no dinosaur material. There is no gene of a dinosaur that anybody can sequence because we don't have any actual, we have fossils, but we don't have any actual real 
biological material. It's just too long ago. Well, even with an egg, a petrified egg, there's nothing inside we can use. Is Not there? after millions of years. I mean, it's been bombarded by ultra, you know, light, by ultrasonic light, by by radiation, by all sorts of things, and it's just it's impossible to preserve something that long. But a woolly mammoth, you know, 3,000 years, and it's still a long time, and, and you can't clone the cells, or at least Dr. Church doesn't believe you can, but you can actually get the DNA out, you can sequence it, and then you can synthesize it. And so that's what makes this possible. It's an extinct species, but it's not extinct so long that you can't get the material. What would he use as the basis for the animal? Would he use an elephant? Yeah, so the, the plan is to take, once you've sequenced the genome of a woolly mammoth, you choose the genes that you want, the ones that make the red hair or the giant tusks or allow it to hibernate, and then you place those genes into the embryo of an Asian elephant. So an Asian elephant gives birth to a woolly mammoth. Is there any downside here? <laughs> well, I mean, there's definitely controversy about the idea. There's a, there's a lot of reasons for this to be controversial. I mean, something could go wrong, right? Well, I mean, it's not going to be Jurassic Park where you have woolly mammoths rampaging across the city, but um, the fears are, uh, you know, that you're, you're working on this project and just creating another endangered species, that you're using Asian elephants that are already endangered to try and make a woolly mammoth that's extinct. Um, there's certain things like that. There are people who don't want people to play God. And there's also the idea that this is incredibly powerful technology. And although we're using it, or at least Church is using it, to make something good, essentially, to bring back a species, you can use the same technology for very bad things. Um, and so that's, that's right. where you know, it gets even more controversial, the idea that genetic engineering is reaching a point now where it goes on in labs all over the world, um, often in secret, uh, in countries all over the world. I mean, this is happening everywhere. And it's not just in labs. It can happen in garages now. And just like how computers were developed in garages, now you have you know, scientists playing with biology in garages. The gestation period of an Asian elephant, uh, from the time it's uh, fertilized to it has its baby, is 18 to 22 months. Right. And, so and would that be about the same for a mammoth? Yeah, so that's the slowest part of this project. You can already, and George already has, Dr. Church has already put genes into Asian elephant cells. The problem, of course, is that to grow a baby mammoth will take almost two years if you do it inside an Asian elephant. Would they do it outside? Well, that's the other plan. Oh, my God. actually gotten uh, approval to make a synthetic womb. And um, there's a couple of different labs that are attempting to make, and one was already successful. That's a big womb. <laughs> um, it is. One was already successful with a, I believe it was a sheep. But the idea is you make a sort of plastic womb outside of an elephant, and you can actually raise the embryo all the way to birth without it ever having to be in the elephant. And you would actually be able to watch this take place, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, it, it could go on right in front of you. I mean, it's a see-through kind of womb, and you could add oh my to gosh. it. And, and it's, it, 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 you know, when you think about it, it's very science fiction-y, but it's, this is real. I mean, this is real stuff going on right now, and, uh, and it's spectacular to watch. What would happen, though, with a baby mammoth that would have no mother, really, to nurture it, take care of it, maybe guide it? Because I'm sure in the animal kingdom... You know, you do get some guidance from your from your um, right. Well, you know, elephants are incredibly uh, family oriented. They're, they they take care of their young. In fact, um, elephants are very intelligent creatures. They actually bury their dead. They come back to the place and essentially mourn dead elephants. Wow. They take care of their children. They they can have 
they have a lot of the same emotions that humans do. Like so, yeah. chimpanzees, they do yeah, that too. Exactly. And so um, this is very a uh, very big topic of this because when you birth one woolly mammoth, of course, it's not going to have any parent woolly mammoths, and we don't really know the behavior that woolly mammoths had. Um, but we assume it was similar to elephants, so you, just, you do need elephants to raise it. The goal eventually is to build an entire herd. So you are going to start with one, but the goal is to create more and more and more of them. Um, and the uh, church's goal is really 80,000 woolly mammoths. And eventually um, to breed them naturally? Well, that's the hope. I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to breed uh, if, you, if you do the genetic engineering correctly. Why bring back something, Ben, that nature has made extinct? Whether we contributed to it or not, the bottom line is nature made it extinct, like the dinosaurs. So right. why, well, why bring it back? This is the cool part of the story. You know, it's not just to fill a Jurassic Park. We're not, we're not trying to fill an amusement park with woolly mammoths. The goal here is actually very, very good. It's actually a massive geoengineering project. Um, the goal, really, in, in simple words, is to essentially save the world. Um, there's this massive issue going on in the Siberian tundra, um, and it's the permafrost. So the permafrost that covers a large portion of the northern part of the world is a massive ticking time bomb, and it contains within it more carbon than if we burned all the forests on Earth three times. And this permafrost is on the edge of melting, and it turns out that Herbivores like woolly mammoths, large Pleistocene era creatures, actually lived in concert with the tundra and were able to keep it cool. Um, these Russian scientists named the Zimovs have been doing this experiment since the early 80s, um, where they've been actually running tanks up and down. They've refilled this area with uh, Pleistocene era type animals, with bison, with reindeer, with Yakutian horses. And they've shown that if you could actually repopulate the tundra with mammoths, you can lower the temperature of this entire permafrost by as much as 15 degrees. Jeez. We're with uh, Ben uh, Mesrich. His book, Wooly, comes out tomorrow, actually. So we are a day ahead of the game. And uh, you just had another one that came out uh, just a few months ago. We'll talk about that tonight, too. It's called The 37th Parallel. It's the secret truth behind America's UFO highway. It's about Robert Bigelow. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.